0: June 15th, 2022. Let's talk tonight. I entitled the class, Trust the Process. Now, in addition to being a popular expression, um, it very much has to do with, in my mind, what it means to be a Jew in this world, to be a person who understands Torah with regards to who we are, call it in the Torah spectrum, after we were banished from Eden and i'll over the course of this class hopefully develop that idea with you and explain to you according to my understanding why that's such a fundamental understanding and uh, concept with regards to determining how we envision life and what we do in life now the specific direction will be to a certain extent continuing what we discussed in the past but having little to do with it what do i mean by continuing in source number five which we'll get to in a few moments We'll quote a Gemara with regards to Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi Akiva will be our man of the night. Rabbi Akiva will be the one who teaches us the importance of trusting the process. Well, we'll get to that source in just a few moments. If you take a look at source number one, it's a Midrash. Midrash Tanhuman Parashat Tazriya Od Zain. And this Midrash is a well-known one with all sorts of different spins on it with regards to the significance. And I'd like to set forth for you my own tonight. So here, the the Midrash describes a conversation or a debate uh, between Rabbi Akiva and Tornosrofus HaRasha. Tornosrofus was one of these Roman, I guess, emperors or individuals of high stature. And the Midrash imagines or recalls a conversation that the two of them had. And in the conversation, for our purposes right now, we'll skip the first few lines, and Tornos turns to the Biakivan and asks him on the third line, Amarle at the end, Lama Atem Molim. Why do you have Berit Mila, which is a very characteristic question? In other words, it's exactly what was stereotypical to a certain extent. A Greek individual turning to the Jews during a time period during which the Greeks. Uh, worshiped the, the perfect body, the perfect world, the uh, the uh, gymnasium where you perfected your body, turned to him and says, what's with maiming your body? What's with cutting off a part of your body? Why would you do such a thing? Uh, says Rabbi Akiva, well, the truth is, a moment ago I talked to you about the ma'asim, the actions of human beings of having a certain stature. He continues, and here's the uh, critical line for us, at the end of the next line, havi'uli he says to the people there, shibolim u gluskaot. He says, please bring uh, shibolim as like a shibolet, as sheaves of sort. In other words, like grain that grows out in the field and it stalks. And gluskaot refers to loaves of bread. So I'd like you to bring both uh, gluten, uh, the initial, that's what you see on. in the word gluskaot. I don't know. Bread. Kind of bread and uh, what makes bread, right? Amar um, lo turns to Tarnowsrof uh, and says to him, "Elu maaseh kadosh baruch hu veelu ben basavadam." He says, "The bread, I'm going backwards, is the actions, is the handiwork of human beings." Uh, the shibolet, the sheaves, the stalks from the field, that's the handiwork of God. In elu naim, would you not admit that the bread is, so to speak, more beautiful? It's more complete? Um Haviuli pishtan Amar ma'aseh hakadosh elu ma'aseh Along the same lines, he says, bring me what the, the fabric and what makes the fabric of clothing and bring me clothing. So on the one hand, I'm going to show you everything that makes, it, that's... On the other hand, when you look at the clothing, wouldn't you admit to the final product being the more complete one? Amarle Tonosrophus says and of course, the Mashal, that's the Mashal, the Nimshal in turn is we were created and crafted by God. And now that last stage, so to speak, of the Mila is how we cap it all off. It's how we crafted the clothing. It's how we made the bread. So if that's the case, if you're God, who's a complete God is a perfect God, so then why doesn't he create you with a Mila? A Akiva, Akiva effectively has already won that conversation at the very least from proving it from the world. Right? He's already proven he hasn't explained it per se, but he's already showed Turnusrophus, which is the way it works, right? We have stalks in the field, we don't have bread in the field. We have uh, we we craft um, the clothing, it doesn't come out as clothing. But he answers him, He says the purpose of the mitzvot is to purify us. Now effectively, this Midrash and this back and forth between the Bi'akiva and Tonus Rofus touches on that fundamental I mentioned a few moments ago, the trust of the process. What do I mean by that? I mean that Rabbi Akiva isn't bemoaning as Tornos is, the process of human existence. He's rather embracing it. He turns to Tornos and he's effectively saying, this is what it's all about. You're looking for the end product. You're assuming the end product is the way it's quote-unquote supposed to be. I'm proving to you from the world around us that everything that goes into it is what it's all about right that's effectively what he's describing in truth if you follow these sorts of themes the milah specifically and the bread uh, through midrash hazal the words of the Chachamim, you'll notice they touch on this to a certain extent in different contexts for example in source number two source number three Avotir Binatan, and then the gemara masechet Sanhedrin and the flamed cheta mudbet seem to suggest that Adam Harishon was created with a berit mila. The Gemara Sanhedrin has him being Moshech Bimila. He wanted to go against the fact that he was born with the mila. When we imagine, at least in the uh, in the theoretical vision of what it means to be Adam Harishon before the fall from Eden, before the banishment, we see a world in which there's no process. Right by definition, the punishment. Or the arur, the curse to Adam is, You're now going to need to, by the sweat of your brow, by process, have to overcome the thorn and thistle. When you're in that garden, when you're in Gan B'aidin Mikedem, it's all there, it's all being served to you. As a result, it makes sense. The product was the way it was in Gan Everything thereafter, childbirth, process, is afterwards. Along the same lines, the Gemara Masechit Shabbat and Daf Lamed HaMudbet, we always, or we often equate, Gan Eden and Acharit HaYamim, Yomot We envision those as being, quote-unquote, the ideal existences. Says so the Gemara Masechit Shabbat, right there, V'tu Yativ Rabban Gamliel, Rabban Rabban Gamliel, Rabban as he was sitting, was, Er Tida Yisrael Shetosi, The statement of of Rabban Gamliel is in the future. You want to know what the trees and growths of Eretz Yisrael will bring forth? Loaves of bread, which means outcome, which means destination. When it's all done, well, then the process is over. And so to speak, don't be too literal about this, please. But understand it in terms of the theme, in terms of the perspective. We're right now in that process. The beginning, it was all done. We cr- cracked that. Set forth a life of humanity, which is one of process, and in turn, when we envision the way it will be when game is over, well, of course, the process will be done. We'll have destination. Isn't there a midrash that Moshe was also born with the breathing line? There is the Gemara Masechet sotan Daf Yot Bet has <laughs> so. It fits in because it describes sort of Moshe Rabbeinu. I hope you were either at the class or listening as a person who's disassociated from regular human beings. We'll see that really in the next source, right? Moshe Rabbeinu in in contrast to Rabbi Akiva Is the emblem, is the symbol of destination, of the perfect quote unquote, mamash quote unquote, because there is no perfection amongst humanity, human being. It's for that reason we stressed he's not using his speech as human beings need to. He's direct, he's destination based. It's for that reason as well, and I'll bring you back to that conversation we had about a week ago the Gemara Masechimenachot and Daf Kaftet. The Gemara Menachot has Moshe Rabbeinu visiting, in this vision, imagination of the rabbis, visiting the classroom of Bi'akiva he doesn't know what they're saying. Bi'akiva is giving a class. Moshe had been so interested in who this Rabbi Akiva is after God had showed him in the heavens, the future and so forth. And finally, as his uh, ko ho, as he's Koho, as he's feeling all bewildered and dejected and feeling bad and depressed about the fact that he doesn't know what's going on. It's a Torah class and he can't understand it. Rabbi Akiva, uh, one of the students asked Rabbi Akiva, lecha, what's your source for that? And he says, of course, Halacha le Moshe Misinai. Ah, uh, says Moshev. now I feel good, that's what the Midrash says. Inexplicable, unfathomable, I mean, what are the rabbis teaching? They're not describing per se what happened, but they're teaching us some sort of lesson. There's so many question marks in that Midrash. But the most fundamental, at the very least for our purposes right now, is one in which the answer doesn't really match the context the answer is moshe so moshe feels better i mean imagine i'm in a room with you guys and you're talking another language i have no idea what you're talking about it's the same language it's just different stuff and then i uh, hear one of you saying oh, who who told you that and you say harari ah now i feel good i didn't feel good i don't have a darn clue what you're talking about why would i start feeling good suggested Orha Chaim, Rabbi Chaim ben Atar, in source number six, and several of the other Mikubalim, as as we mentioned in the past, this is a strain of thought amongst them, but others suggest this as well. It's not to be understood, per se, as a novelty, which came post-Moshe Rabbeinu, and so to speak, Rabbi Akiva says, oh, that's really, no, it's not a novelty. It's two methods of getting to truth, of understanding Torah. Moshe had, so to speak, the vision. He was direct. He was the one, remember, uh, Victor, we gave the example. He's the me, the yo-yo at the podium giving the speech, talking about the idea in in its most pristine form nobody has a clue what I'm talking about Victor goes home and tells the, tells a story to his wife, to his nephews and so forth and he starts, they don't have any nephews okay, whatever, to his cousins and stuff like that and as he's doing so so they have. Uh, and then I walk into the room, he's in the middle of some strange story and they say to him where would you hear that? And he says oh, from Rabbi Harari well you didn't hear that from me, I gave that's the difference between Moshe and the Bi'akiva. Moshe is the crystallized idea, he gets it direct from God he doesn't need it dressed up even in the letters, the words, the sentences of the Torah. Rabbi Akiva, after the fact, says, wait a second, our key word for tonight is process. Says Rabbi Akiva, Let's show you how we get there. Let me find it in the text of the Torah. Let me play the human role. Moshe, you played the God role. You got it directly from God. So to speak, Nivua zapped into you. You got the vision of it. It was abstract, but it was so clear and pristine to you, but you couldn't even speak it to us. There's no words for that. Me says Rabbi Akiva, says the Midrash for us in Rabbi Akiva. That's Torash Baal Peh. That's the listening. That's the interpreting. That's the speaking. That's the process. That's the role of human beings. That's really what we're all about, right? We are not about destination. We convince ourselves that we're about destination. When do we convince ourselves that we're about destination? In many circumstances. I've given one particular example in the past, and I'll give it again. Um, it goes as follows. I, you know. I, I'm very proud father and try to be a proud, involved father. There are moments as an involved father that, uh, you know, you question yourself. Why are you involved in this? Not because a woman should be involved per se, but like, you know, let's just talk about it from a value perspective. Why am I changing? What's the value of changing the diapers of my children? Uh, you know, so when I when I first got married, uh, and I'm far from being you know that typical uh, I don't know standoffish uh, father perspective, but I said to my wife, if my grandfather changed diapers, then I'll change diapers as well. So I had no doubt in my mind that my grandfather never changed diaper until we went, and he said, "Oh, sure, I changed all my son's diapers." That's the very least he did, as a true Egyptian. I said, "Only the sons." But anyway, the point aside. You know, the question has arisen, so to speak, in my mind course of course, parenting. Uh, what am I? What's what's the role? How am I able to derive some sort of value, some sort of perspective, some sort of growth from this moment? And the answer might not might be, "You don't get over it. Suck it up. Life is not all that exciting." Alternatively, alternatively, if we envision, if we have a broader perspective, instead of just zoning in on every one of those moments and saying, what does this mean in this moment, but see it as part of a larger process, well, then it's an altogether different experience. I can, it's very hard in the diaper, but in other circumstances, I can see the process as part and parcel in everything that I'm doing. That's the other example I've given a lot of times because it relates to women more and to regular people who are not involved in diaper changing all the time like me, um, is my, my my wife taught me this one, uh, with regards to uh, planning vacations, she said more than once that on the vacation it wasn't worth the planning, why well, wasn't it worth the planning, kids are complaining the whole time, and within 10, 11 days, the whole thing's over anyway, I spent two months planning, meticulously, researching, asking, booking, determining, comparing, whatever, and the whole thing was gone within a flash, and I don't even know if the kids really appreciate and so on and so forth until the two of us somehow came up with this solution we realized that it was really the experience of planning it of booking it had to be in her eyes if she changed her perspective part and parcel of, of the experience itself instead of saying it was only about the experience on the trip it was now everything that went into leading up to it It was the human part of existence. We do not and will not experience the destination. So as a result, we confuse ourselves by deluding ourselves into believing that in this world we're going to have clarity and understanding why in this moment this is significant, instead of broadening our perspective and saying, this life is all about the process anyway. That was the message of Rabbi Akiva to Tornosofus. <laughs> Tornosofus said, I don't understand, if you come out without a milad, then that's probably the perfect state of being. No. Uh, No, but if if you're supposed to have the milah, then shouldn't you have had it from the... No, because this is all about leading up to that. This is literally what we're doing. We're not going to experience that destination. We're going to find glimpses of it within every step along the line of that process. Yes? Would you say it's the same thing when it comes to learning Torah, that it's not about finishing, it's not about, I'm going to do this Masechin, I'm going to do, I don't know, I'm going to do this, I would very much say so, I would very much say so, as a matter of fact, I've I've said on more than one occasion, that uh, that there's a well-known dirasha, at least to me, well-known, of hafetz hayim that the, at a siyum, inshallah, but it's not about the siyum, right? At a siyum, we say, Anu amelim v'hem amelim, Anu amelim v'mekabelim s'achar, v'hem amelim v'ena m'kabelim s'achar. It's a contrast between those who are Involved in Torah, those are involved in worldly pursuits. We are Amil, we toil we're rewarded. They, they're Amil, they toil and they're not rewarded. I have a question. You know, uh, there's this guy, he's in the news a lot, his name's Elon Musk. Um, he, he a little bit gets rewarded. He's a hard worker. He's amel, but he's rewarded. Uh, there's a lot of other people along those lines. deal right? But uh, they are rewarded. So what's with the fake, full statement? We make this statement. amelim That's right, we get sachar, but they also get sachar. No, they don't get sachar of Torah. Of course they don't get sachar of Torah. Wait, you're not comparing it for that. The suggestion of Hafit Hayim went instead, our amelut is the Sakhar itself, which means to say anu amelim. it doesn't say anu amilim. and yodi'im umekabelim sakhar, for the Yediah. It's not that we study and understand and that's why we get rewarded. Anu amelim for the amilut, for the process, not for the destination, sakhar, that is the Sakhar. Him amelim, they, in the regular world, I've said it more than once as well, imagine you're craftsmen, once upon a time people were craftsmen, you spent 10 minutes on a glass but there's a blemish at the end, alternatively you're trying to sell, as my, uh, my, my recent events in my kitchen, you're trying to sell the countertop which has a chip in it, but I spent a lot of time putting it in, I chipped it at the end. No, but I'm going to pay $5 instead of 500 No, but I, you know, I put in the same amount of time. Uh, over there, it's about the destination, it's about the product. In matters of value, in matters of truth in this world, it's about the process, it's about why, everything that goes into it. The they can, if done appropriately. You know, but with regards to, to Sakha... Oh, it's not per se, it's not. If a person enjoys what they're doing, so there's a different sort of sahar. When we're comparing it to that, we're talking about the sahar the person is seeking. The sakhar of Torah that you're seeking is, the sachar of Talmud Torah, sachar mitzvah, that's for the amilut. The sachar in the business world, it just happens to be, you're right, if you shift your perspective, instead of m- money, you're right, then then it's altogether different. But that is, uh, um, in my mind, that, that's very much aligned with it. I mean, this Gemara, Masechet talks about the agra, the surprising reward for all sorts of different things. So one of the things the Gemara says, surprisingly, says the true reward of agrav, fast day, is... Siddhaka, it's not what you'd expect. It's something interesting. And there's a lot of interesting perspective. You'd think it's afflicting yourself. You'd think it's the tefillah, it's the siddaka. There's Musar in that, well, save it for uh, Chabav. Um, Then the Gemara says the agrad de Pirka, the reward for for going to a class is Halicha, is the walking there. So it's Rashi because nobody understands the class anyway. She knew me before I knew me. It's like the Biakiva <laughs> and Moshe story, right? He knew nobody understands me anyway. So he says, Nobody understands it anyway. So, what type of statement is that? Said, that's the process. That's the statement. The statement is the walk there engendered within you and experiencing it of itself. That in my mind is the solution to a large extent to the depression that people feel when they're down in terms of quote unquote success, when they don't feel fulfilled by the moments of life that they find themselves in instead of realizing this is what it's about, but I don't feel the good part. Maybe this is the good part. That's That's the message of Rabbi Akiva. I'd like to develop it a bit further together with you. And I'll take you in an unexpected direction, especially unexpected if I hadn't told you I was doing this beforehand. In source number seven, it's a book called Sha'ar HaGilgulim. Sha'ar HaGilgulim was written by Maharhu, Rabbi Chaim Vital. He was the great student of Arizal. So we're dealing with several hundred years ago. We're dealing with great Kabbalistic uh, influences. Maharhu spent plenty of time, was buried in Damascus. Um, So in in Sha'ar HaGilgulim, he's talking about what's called Gilgul. We won't touch on what Gilgul means in its full aspect, especially because I don't understand it, but at the very least when we talk about comparing or envisioning a reincarnation we're associating similarities right in other words if i'm going to determine or to type this guy's like the reincarnation of my grandfather why would you say that people talk like that even today the reason i'm saying is cuz i find so many things similar so aside from what it quote unquote it actually means when he talks about gilgulim he's going to point to similarities and for our purposes that's the most that's the most important part for for our you know Peshat, in lanu esek banistarot purposes the gilgul of yaakov avinu alav hashalom is none other than rbi akiva First and foremost, their names are very similar, are they not? Ya'akov and Akiva, only the letter Aleph separates them. They're pretty much the same name, fascinatingly. Furthermore, said Arizal, apparently to his student, Maharhu, he said, you should know there were three people, Shimuel being the third, not the one that we're going to focus on, who tried to reveal or bring forth the kits, the end of days, and God stopped it. In a good one. one was, well, let's see, Ya'akov. Jacob turns to his children and says, Gather around, I'm going to tell you. And according to him, then he doesn't. He doesn't tell them what's going to happen. Says the Midrash, God closed it off. But it's an interesting perspective. He tried to reveal or tried to bring forth the end of days. Rabbi Akiva, it's a well-known Midrash, it's in the Gemara, it's, it's very much highlighted in Talmud Yerushalmi. He accepted Bar Kokhba, Bar Koziba, as it's referred to over there, as the Mashiach. Of course, he was wrong about that. Interestingly, Arizal, in this source, his association, his affiliation, his symmetry between Biakiva Akiva and Yaakov is their attempt to bring the end, but being stuck in the present. How appropriate, with regards to the vantage point of this class, and if we can develop this further even more so, why do I say how appropriate? Because whereas they talked about the end, so to speak, they were told, no, 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 I think you need to focus on what's right here. Don't focus on the end. Stop that. You're not at the end. We're in the process of it all. In terms of affiliating the two of them the interesting thing is Victor I turned to you again gave another class at an earlier point this year about the students of Rabi'a and irrespective of my particular point, I was talking about the Gemara Masechet Yevamot that talks about the the 12,000 pairs of students. And I was talking about it being a larger number potentially than even 12,000 times 2, 24,000. The question you asked me, which was a good one, if I remember correctly it was you, maybe I'm giving you too much credit, was why 12,000 times 2 then? If you're dealing with a huge number, and I said oh, the Hakamim oftentimes will exaggerate numbers in specific ways. Tosafot writes, as many of the classical sources say that the numbers are, have meaning to them. Why 12? So I said to you at the time, 12 is a motif in the life of Rabbi Akiva. It's parallel to the 12 tribes. I didn't explain it further, but now you have the opportunity to hear, at the very least, my perspective on it. The 12, which appears in the life of Rabbi Akiva, a lot of times, in my mind, the Chachamim are purposefully doing that to parallel him to Ya'akov. The 12 tribes, which were, which were Yaakov Avinu, are Rabbi Akiva, the 12,000 pairs of students. In fact, the Gemara Yimaseche Kitubot describes how he left home for 12 years to study Torah. He returns back and he overhears his wife saying in the song from Journeys, Ab Rottenberg, he says, I gladly give a dozen more. And the Rashon of the Gemara, something along those lines, and he goes back in another 12 years, the 12s are very striking. Then you have a little bit more, than the, and the Gemara is all over those, the 12, and the 12, and the 24. And then at the end of the Gemara, before the end of the Gemara, the beginning of the Gemara, the Gemara describes the early the origins of Rebbe Akiva. What were the origins of Rebbe Akiva? Can you imagine? Tell me the origins of Yaakov Avinu, for all intents and purposes, and bringing forth B'nei Israel. He's a shepherd for his father-in-law, Is he not. Of course he is. Rabbi Akiva as well, the Gemara says he was Ra'aya, the first line over here in source number eight. De'bin kalba Savua hava. He was a shepherd for his father-in-law. That was another parallelism. But it's more than that even. Because at the end of the Midrash, it describes how his wife, who gave up those 24 years of her husband being out of the house to establish himself, her daughter in turn followed in her path. Her daughter got married to someone, or engaged, according to the, the Hachamim later, to someone named Ben Azai, who never really consummated his, his relationship and his marriage with her. Says the Gemara, you know what that daughter was like to her mother? It was like, well, second to last line, last word, Rehela Batar Rehela Azla. It was the same way a Rahel, what's a Rahel? It's a type of animal, a ram of some sort, goes after the, uh, what is it? Ewe. E-W-E. An E-W-E, an ewe. <laughs> so that's what it is. So sure. the same way a Rahel, I'd rather call it a Rahel, just me. Uh, the same way a Rahel goes after uh, its mother, the Rahel, so to this Rahel went after her mother, the Rahel. Now the truth is that the wife of Rabbi Akiva, traditionally her name was? Rachel. And he had a second night's wife according to the Gemara in Masechet Nidarim, which in the eyes of Arizal is parallel to, you guessed it, Leah. Says Arizal, that's why the Gemara talks about Rachel and Rachel, because we're talking about Rachel. But piecing it all together, again, I remind you the significance, at least for our purposes tonight, and it goes as follows. The life of Ya'akob, in being parallel to the life of Rabbi Akiva, saying, what did that teach me? Arizal told us what it taught us. Right away, he told us. They both tried to reveal the kids. They both tried to bring the end, but God prevented them. They both were all about the process. Think about Jacob. What was Ya'aqob? Yaqub was from beginning until end, not product-oriented. Just think about, for example, the contrast to his brother Isaf. His brother Isaf, we got it, E W E. all right. That's, a sheep, what that's type of sheep, Type of sheep. there it is uh, has my sister's name is Yael Rachel, we knew Yael was Ibex, I didn't know Rachel was in the U, but she was two types of animals out in the fields in the mountains of Israel, okay, so the Pasuk says with regards to the birth of Esav Esav is born with a coat of of hair on him you know what a coat of hair means? Coat of hair means you're complete. As a matter of fact, that's why they called him Isav says, milashon He looked matured already. As you grow older, you grow more hair. Babies, generally speaking, come out without hair. The fact that he was already hairy, he was Asui, he was finished. That was Isav. Isav along the same lines was known as And the reason he was known as Edom, source number 12 tells us, is because he talked about the soup being Ha'adom Ha'adom Hazer, this red soup, because the redness of the lentils showed him that the soup was ready, it was done. His name in turn was the done one. The Edom, that's of course in contradistinction to Yaakov. Who was Yaakov if not the one who's holding on to Akiv Achiv? He's holding on to the ankle. He's the Yaakov. He's the one who's grasping to catch up, who's trying to be there, who's on the process, the journey of life. Along the li- same lines, of Why course. Is he end? Shouldn't he be Mr. Process? I, I don't have a straight and clear answer, but I do know that at a certain point everyone to a certain point everyone wants to see the end. And so to speak the lesson of God to him was, but wait a second, Yaakov, if you've lived your life this way throughout, let's not change it. I don't know what am I Let's keep to that mission. In other words, instead of envisioning him as that moment, envision him as, you know, what happened from that moment. The fact that it didn't render the end. And the lesson in turn that he taught us from it, much as Rabbi Akiva is embracing that that that, that process. Can, of course, more famously, the name of Yaakov after fighting with that malach is Yisrael. There's a famous Musar here, is there not? Yisrael is Milashon Sarita. You struggled with Elohim ve'adam. But he's told, Vatuchal, he was told, and you were successful. I'd be a lot more comfortable if the name of my nation was Tuchal, the successful ones. Instead, we're known as Yisrael, the strugglers. But isn't that what it's all about? It's all about that process. It's all about that struggle. It's all about what everything that goes into it, not so much the destination and the final product. If it were about the final product, then our lives quite literally would all be failure. We should be depressed. We could and would be making the claims of tornusrofus but everything that takes place in our lives. Every time something goes wrong, every time something's difficult, just drop it. It's not worth it. Alternatively, maybe that's the enriching part. Maybe that's what it's all about. I'll just cap it off, and yes, it's a, it's a little bit of a poetic flourish over here. You should know there's something specific to know about Rabbi Akiva. He was very different than Esav, of course he was. But he was very different than Esav to the extent that he shared, or rather I share, something very much in common with him. The Gemara Masechet Bechorot and Dafnun Het describes how Ben Azai, the son-in-law of Rabbi Akiva, described how all the Hakma Israel they were like the, uh, the uh, Kilipah of the Shum to him. they were like the outer layer of the garlic. Oh, nothing to I mean, take off the... Oh, I don't like garlic. But you know, if you did, you take off the outer layer and then you slice it up and whatever you use it. But he said, except for that kereah, that bold one. And the reference, according to Rashi, is to Rabbi Akiva. It's for that reason that the son of Rabbi Akiva, according to Rashi and Tosafot, was known as Rabbi Yoshua ben Korha. According to Rashi and Tosafot, Rabbi Yoshua ben Korcha was the son of the bold one who was... You say, why is baldness the process? Because when the hair is there, you look like a complete product. Me, it looks like it's just growing in right now. You might say, alternatively, it's over the process because it fell out, but when you see someone with that shaved head, or alternatively, when the baby comes out and it's bald, that's just the beginning of something to come. It's the opposite of the Esav personality. It happens to be I'm mixing and matching Pashtanim and Mekubalim, and because according to Ariza, the ben Korcha was not the son of Rabbi Akiva. But for our purposes, the Gemara does refer to him as the bold one, and that's the significant part. Again, to catch you up to date, we began the class with that Midrash with Rabbi Akiva and Tornus We continued it, and that's the part I want to hone in on and, and, and highlight the most. That Gemara that described what Torah Sheva Alpeh really is all about, what our lives as people who are trying to live Torah is about. It's not about the revelation of Torah, to us. That will come. It's about the interpretations along the way. It's the akiva, finding the messages that were zapped into, so to speak, Moshe when he touched on the Makor, on the source of existence, and finding it along the way, turning it into our lives, finding the applicability and the moments and the words and the sentences in the Torah that we can in turn relate to and point to and understand certain truths. Truths embedded within them. I recently read an essay by a a certain scientist, and in it, he was describing how people have this wrongful understanding of how in discoveries, call it the destinations, are really brought about. People think that people that you know the scientists go to sleep at night, and there's the aha moment, It's just a light bulb, uh, and that's it, and it's all discovered, because they were uh, inborn genius, and as a result just came, they neglect, they fail to realize that, generally speaking, 99.9% of the time, it's just not the way it works. There are failures along the way, there's the process, there's the difficulties, lots of times there's dead ends. It doesn't just get born out of the existence of human beings, the Torah of life, is what it's all about you're not going to have that light if you didn't have everything that went in but it's annoying and it's and it's hard if you have the wrong perspective It's so, and it's not simple again changing diapers is never going to be simple never going to be exciting but if it's seen through a broader framework if we can broaden our perspective and vision it has an altogether different flavor i will tell you always that the destination is bad no. Should we have destinations in life as well? As you last should, last but you won't really have any. You'll have small ones. In the larger scheme of things, if you year, have destination, have the right, but your goal years. and your ambition needs to be set much further. That's the point. If the one siyum on a small masechet is your destination, hmm... Then you weren't really you didn't you didn't really live life enough. Then then end your life right there. Alternate That's right. So that. you have checkpoints. So yeah. certainly you're supposed to have moments of fulfillment. You're supposed to have the Shabbat, the destination that you tap into every seven days. But ultimately speaking, your life is Sheshit Yamim Ta'avod. Your life is Your life is one in which it's about seeking, it's about finding the Shabbat within that, right? That's that's it's about quote unquote eating the fruit off the tree, not the tree itself, if you tap into that other Midrash. If you ask me, that's very much the message of Rabbi Akiva in the eyes of the rabbis from beginning until end. I gave you one or two examples. finish with a few more the midrash in avot Binatan, source number 18 tells the beginning of the life of rabbi akiva the beginning of the life for our purposes he's already 40 years old the beginning of the rabbinic life the beginning of the growth in torah life of rabbi akiva is when he notices that there's a drop of water which is falling into a stone and slowly but surely making a dent in that stone and he's awakened to reality although i'm an amha i don't know anything about torah i'm disconnected from all It's not over, I'm just a part of something that can and will be a gradual process toward a life of meaning. He's able to tap into that from the moment of our true encounter of Rabbi Akiva. He's realizing that there's a slow and gradual and persistent process which, which it's all about. The Mishnah Masechet Pehe in source number 19 describes the context is very important. The context is Rabbi Akiva lives shortly after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. The people at that time period were led astray. Why were they led astray? We lost our temple. We lost our ability for kapara christians had a stronghold during that time period you don't have your temple your god has abandoned you you're involved in all these intricacies of law and stricture and structure but you don't actually have anything from it, come to us, we'll preach, we'll teach, we'll find love in our encounter with God, we'll embrace the emotions, we'll tap into our emotive sensibilities as human beings. That was the appeal. Rabbi Akiva in that context turns to the people and says to them, wait a second, Do you really believe that? Do you think it's the slaughtering of an animal which brings forth kapara in your life? Do you really think that's what it is? And without a mikdash we have no kapara, we have no connectedness to God? Alternatively, says Rabbi Akiva, mikveh Yisrael God is, so to speak, our mikveh, instead of what we yearn for, milashon tikva, mikveh, milashon mikveh, you know, like the mikveh, right? Where you immerse and you find your purity. A relationship with God is what it's all about. In other words, what he says to them is, you imagined it wrong. You thought you sinned, and as a result, you were able to zap to the finish line through slaughtering an animal and uh, um, and pounding your chest a few times. That's not the way it was, and it's not the way it is. It's about a process, a relationship with God, a tapping into truths within our existence and life. Lastly, perhaps the best known, at least in my mind, Midrash, about Rabbi the final lines in Masechet, Makot. Rabbi Akiva and his friends, his colleagues are walking next to Har Habayit or on An Har Habayit and they see at Kodesh HaKodeshim where where once stood a shual, a, a jackal. Look that one up. A jackal walking out and they're all crying and he's laughing and they turn to him, why are you, why are you laughing? And he turns and says, why are you crying? They said, can you imagine the place where a ha where a stranger, in other words, a non-kohin would die uh, and look what's coming out of there now, a shual, a jackal is walking out of there. Yeah, it's not a fox, little known fact. Um, anyway, uh, so this so, says so, so Rebbeak, that's exactly why I'm laughing. What do you mean? Leaving the technicalities of the gimara aside. Effectively, what he says, to them is it had to and it must reach this low in order for us to then go up to for us to to then ascend. Do you understand what Rabbi Akiva is saying to them? He says you guys are stuck in this moment. You guys see an animal coming out of it. Kodesha Kodeshim. You don't know what I see? I have a breadth of perspective. I have a vision in which this is just the beginning of growth. This is the early stages. Jackal, yes? it I'm looks a little a not a, i don't know that they got it right uh, this i heard from google someone well. who heard from a zoologist This someone told me heard from a zoologist but i don't know google versus anyway um, but what i will tell you is that in that encapsulates that really describes in a story in just a few lines in a story the life and the vision of rabia akiva to put it all together and to return to the title of the class to trust the process with the pun intended over here, is to truly experience life for what it is. You will perhaps have moments where it appears and feels as if you hit the destination. The graduations, the first million dollars, the successful business deals, the moments where your children are growing and hitting, hitting milestones. You could or but should. You should yearn and strive for those, but if that's what your life is about then your life will be a very depressing life because you won't understand that there's so much more to it than those moments. You'll find those moments rare, far and in between and you'll revel in those moments and the rest of the time you'll be walking around depressed. Alternatively, strive for those moments. Envision the Aharita Yamim. Remember the Ganba'idin mikedim. Understand bread is what we want. We don't want to be chewing on the wheat in the field but ultimately speaking to bring Forth the bread, we need to work the field. And we need to find within that the meaning that's leading us toward that bread at the end. We need to find within the Sheshetime HaShavua, the Sheshetime Bereshit, the Shavat Vayinafash, the seventh day which is embedded within each of those days. The opportunity, the responsibility of life as a human being is to understand that moments of, I'll put it in your words, Elliot, of Emet and Shekir might exist. We'll find a Shabbat. We'll understand Torah from time to time. But more often than not... There'll be the struggles of the tovarah. There'll be the struggles of what it means to be a human being who's grappling with existence. And to understand our life as one in which that's what it's about. It's about finding meaning in those struggles. It's about appreciating everything that leads up to the finish line is the lessons of Rabbi Akiva Yaakov. Yaakov. is not the individual who before his death makes his way back to Eris Yisrael. His father lived his life there. His grandfather yearned for a travel to there. He spends his life, ends his life in exile. When he dies, yes, he has his family around him, but he had a very difficult life. He had a life of process. Uh, Yaakov Avinu is buried in Israel when all is said and done, but his children have spent hundreds of more years in Egypt before they return. Yaakov is the one who maybe begrudgingly, but ultimately speaking teaches us and accepts that lesson of process. And Rabbi Akiva, Ariza tells us, the Gilgul of Yaakov Avinu is very much that message as well. To understand Rabbi Akiva as the father of Torah Shebaal is to understand him more than just accepting him as a great Talmud and Torah scholar. It's to understand him as a person who describes to us what it means to live in this world as a human being, as a Shome Torah Misuot. He gives us perspective on the downs of life. He gives us inspiration for involving ourselves and living in those moments, appreciating them as they come, even though they're quote-unquote incomplete. He gives us an appreciation for each and every one of the mitzvot. He gives us a perspective on what it means to do teshuva and what it means to live a life of teshuva in truth. He is the embodiment, years later, of Ya'aqob, the one who's struggling to keep up, the one who's sarita, our nation being one of struggling, as opposed to the tornusrofus, the reincarnate, so to speak, of Edom, of Isav, the one who preaches and seeks and envisions destination as all that there is. To embrace the process, to trust the process, means to live a life of meaning, means to live a life in which there's a constant and consistent inspiration from minute to minute and second to second any and every experience that comes your way.